want to read Genesis 18. I read, I read it last week. I'm going to read it again this week. Genesis chapter 18. And we'll talk about it a little bit. And the Lord appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Will I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves? And after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and a calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed. She laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men set out from there, and he looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with him to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I'll know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose... There are 50 righteous within the city. Will you, will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom, at Sodom, 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. 
Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of, the, for, for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose that 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Father, we really need to hear from you this morning, so speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had a powerful friend? A friend well-connected? A friend well-resourced? Have you ever had a friend like that who reminds you of how privileged you are to have a friend like that? Listen to some lyrics from a Disney movie. You'll figure it out as I go. I might need some help with a word or two. Master, I don't think you quite realize what you got here. So why don't you just ruminate while I illuminate the possibilities? Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherah Hasday had a thousand tails. Was I close? Okay, whatever. Share Hoste. I could spell it for you. Had a thousand tails. But master, you're in luck. Because up your sleeves, you've got a brand of magic never fails. You've got some power in your corner now. Some heavy ammunition in your camp. You've got some punch, pizzazz, pizzazz, excuse me, yahoo and how. See, all you've got to do is rub that lamp, and I'll say, Mr. Aladdin, sir. What will your pleasure be? Let me take your order, jot it down. You ain't never had a friend like me. Life is your restaurant and I'm your matter d'. Come on, whisper, what is it you want? You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir, we pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shah. Say what you wish, it's yours, true dish. How about a little more baklava? Have some of column A, try all of column B. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. Oh my, no, no, my, my. Can your friends do this? Can your friends do that? Can your friends pull this out of their little hat? Can your friends go poof? Well, looky here. Can your friends go abracadabra, let her rip, and then make the sucker disappear? So don't just sit there slack-jawed, buggy-eyed. I'm here to answer all your midday prayers. You've got me bonafide, certified. You've got a genie for changed affairs. 
I've got a powerful urge to help you out. So what you wish, I really want to know. You've got a list that's three miles long, no doubt. Well, all you've got to do is rub like so. And oh, Mr. Aladdin, sir, I have a wish or two or three. I'm on the job, you bidding, you big nabob. You ain't never had a friend. Never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend. Never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend. Never had a friend like me. Three times in the Bible, it says, Abraham was the friend of God. What's it like to have a friend in God? I think this second part of chapter 18 tells us what it's like to have a friend like God. Let's go back. God, uh, God comes to Abraham and, uh, and appears to him. There's a lot of mystery here because he appears in the form of three men. And uh, we're not going to solve that mystery. That's, that's one thing that we can, that, that's one question that we can say for Abraham when we see him. How did you recognize these, these three men were, were, were you, were, were God? How did you recognize that? How did you see that? Right now, we just have to understand and, and accept the fact that God appeared to Abraham in this form. Abraham was, was sitting at the, in, in front of his tent at the, at the opening to the tent in the heat of the day and, and, and he recognized God and, and, and just boom, boom, everything just accelerated, pedal to the metal as, as Abraham um, made preparations to accommodate the presence of God. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing happened there. Just God and Abraham and they sat down and they ate together. Well, God had, God had an agenda in this meeting. God had an agenda. And, and the agenda was, was in two parts. The first part of the agenda had to do with Sarah. And, and more than, than having to do with Sarah, it had to do with what God was going to do in Sarah and through Sarah. You see, Abraham was very old. Very, very old. And Sarah was very old. And for them to have children was an impossibility. Literally an impossibility. But God said, you're going to have children because after all, I am bigger than any impossibility that you'll ever face. I can do, literally it says, wonderful things. I'm going to do this wonderful thing for you. And you will grow a life that will that will come out of the womb and, and, and exist. And, 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 and that person, Isaac, will, will in turn have a family and they'll have a family and they'll have a family. And eventually what will happen is Mary and Joseph will have a baby and they'll, that baby will be the child of Abraham and that child will save the world from our sins. I mean, this is pretty amazing stuff just like there was a miraculous birth then there was a miraculous birth with mary god did the impossible same language is used 
God can do the impossible. The impossible thing that he did was he brought a child. He brought a child out of nothing. <laughs> From our point of view, out of nothing, he brought a child. And, and that child has, has become a savior. And, and, and not just a savior for, for, for my soul, but a, but a, but a savior who, who plans to redeem the whole world. So God said, Sarah, you're going to have this baby, and this baby's going to be, gonna be a, a, of global significance. You're going to find pleasure, but this, but, 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 but I want to, and I don't think Sarah could, could, could necessarily assimilate this into her mind or process this, but, but, but through her, the whole world would have, would have this, this, this pleasure of knowing, knowing the presence of God through, through what this child accomplished. So there's Sarah and there's Sodom. There's life and there's death in God's agenda. The death part comes when he starts talking about Sodom. And the friend part comes in how God addresses Abraham. There's a reason that in, in Chronicles and, and, in, and in James, in the second chapter of James, that, that, that James describes Abraham as God's friend. It's because of passages like this. And I think that friendship is something that God wants with all of His children. Everyone He's ever created, I think He wants that, that kind of intimate relationship that's reflected in these conversations that He has. I think He wants that with you. I don't think this is exclusive to Abraham. I think He wants it with all of us. He wants these kinds of, of, of intimate conversations. Where, where he shares his thoughts and we share our thoughts with him. Verse 16. The men set out from there and they looked toward Sodom, the second part of their agenda. Their focus went from, from Sarah in the tent and attempting to convince Sarah that, that this miracle was going to happen in her life. And their focus became Sodom. And we know from, from previous chapters that Sodom was a wicked place. We don't know the details of their wickedness until later, but we know that Sodom was a wicked place. We also know that Lot was located in Sodom. So they set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham went with them. And the word there is walk. Abraham walked with them in order to send them on their way. So they get up from, their, from, from, from eating, from their meal. From, this time, from, from their time of fellowship with Abraham in his home and they're walking. 
And in chapter 17, verse 1, God said to Abraham, what I want you to do, this is my requirement for you, as you exist in this covenant relationship with me, I want you to walk with me and I want you to be blameless. I want you to walk with me. Walk is a metaphor for living. And, and daily living, step by step by step by step, I want you to walk with me. And that's what he's doing here. He's walking with God. Carrying on a conversation. And, 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 and that, that reality should be reflected in our lives. That, that same kind of thing. We walk with God. We walk with Him step by step by step by step so that our life is not compartmentalized, so that we have church here, we have family stuff here, we have work here, we have this here, this here, this here, and this here, all compartmentalized. No, it's all, it's all. We walk with God through all of this. Through all of this, we walk with God. That's what Abraham's doing. He's walking with God. And he's walking in such a way that he's going to send them away. He's going to send them toward their, 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 toward their goal, their focus, toward Sodom. And then, then we have this remarkable passage. This, this, this is astounding to me. God oversees the writing of this passage and inspires it. And in, and in giving it to us, he, he shares what's taking place in His own mind. Now this is something that's called, I, I know this sounds fancy, but, but it'll, 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 it really will warm your heart if you get it. Okay, So get past the terminology to the truth. It's called theological accommodation. And here's what it means. We know that God is infinite. We know that God is omnipresent. That God is omniscient. We know that He knows all things. We know that He can be everywhere present in the totality of His being. We know that He is incomprehensible. We know that He's invisible. We know all this about God because this is what it says in His Word about God. We can't wrap our mind around God. But because God wants us to know Him and walk with Him and live for Him and live with Him, He speaks to us in our language. He says things like, I was thinking about this. And I was wondering if I should share this with Abraham. And I think I will. Wow. God shares his intimate secrets, some of his mysteries with us you ain't never had a friend never had a friend never had a friend never had a friend like him Lord said shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do seeing that 
He's my friend. Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. See that baby. That baby is going to be the, 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 the agent of blessing. And that baby, and then another baby, and then another baby, and another baby, until it's Jesus. And Jesus is the, the offspring of Abraham. First, he'll be a mighty nation. And then all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him. The word is the word is no. And of course we know that that word no has an intimacy about it. I've known him. I've chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. In other words, I've chosen him to be a light. I've chosen him to embody, to embody the truth. And I've chosen him to embody the truth so that that truth, its light in him, can shine all around him and others will see it and others will know. And this is God speaking. Others will know why I created human beings. My creative design and my creative intent. I want to do this with Abraham. He's my friend. And I want to show the world that he's my friend. That he is well-networked. That he is well-resourced. That he has a friend better than the kind of friend that we can leverage with a lamp. Then the Lord said, it's become it's not mine. Okay, the Lord said, the Lord said, because, because the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to their outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And this is what he shares. This is part of the, this is this is the Sodom part of the agenda. There, there's, there's wickedness on the earth. There's wickedness on the earth. And wickedness, this is this is the personification of wickedness. And wickedness has has an outcry. Wickedness has a voice. And that voice, and this is part of this, this is part of God's accommodation to us. This is part of him helping us to understand him. He hears it. It draws his attention. He hears this wickedness. He hears this groaning because of this sinfulness. He hears it. And because he hears it, he has to respond to it. And he's sharing that with Abraham. It's almost as if he's saying to Abraham, can you hear it? 
And of course Abraham is interested because, because his nephew, who he's very fond of, is there. His nephew and his family. It's, it's almost as if God is saying, can you hear it? Now, can you imagine God doing something like that with us? Drawing our attention to the wickedness that he hears and that he sees. Can you imagine that? Well, guys, that's kind of the point. There's a sense in which we are here for that reason. Not to, not to rub a magic lamp so that he, can, he appears and gives us three wishes. God befriends us. Now listen to this. Please listen to this. God befriends us that so, so that we can share the load. So that we can share the burden. Well, I don't want to be God's friend because... I'm stressed enough. No, 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 no. Please don't say that. Please don't think that. Please don't react in that way. And please understand that God doesn't need psychologically to unload. Okay, It's not that God needs, needs that psychologically because the, the stress and the strain are just too much for Him. So He's got to share it with us. No. That's not the point. The point is, he wants our heart to beat with his. He wants us to see things from his point of view. I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Now, there's incredible comfort here. As God expresses Himself in a way that we can understand. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be exploring here in just a few, few seconds the, 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 the person of God in His capacity as a judge. And isn't it good to know that when God judges, He doesn't do so randomly. He doesn't do so arbitrarily. He doesn't do so without knowledge. That He is a thoroughly informed judge. That He cares about the facts. So that He tells us, so that we can understand it, He would never condemn without investigating. He's a good and righteous judge. So the men, the men, uh, here, 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 it gets, it gets a little, it gets, it gets a little, you know, complex here, but just know that the men, two of the men go towards Sodom. Verse 22. So the men turned from there and they went towards Sodom. 
But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And the intensity of the conversation ratchet, gets ratcheted up. Abraham drew near. Just, just two words, but so profound. <laughs> he drew near. We take it for granted. We say, let's pray. When we do that, we're drawing near. Who are we drawing near to? God. He drew near. Had the ear of God. Abraham drew near and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Now, now here's, here's what's happening here. I understood that differently this, this, this time than, than the last time I interacted with this passage. I, I, I understand it differently. This is not negotiation. Okay? This is not negotiation. Before I understood this as, ne as negotiation, because it kind of seems on the surface like that, right? Okay, there's 50. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? God says, okay, sold for 10. No, it's not that. It's exploration. Somebody tell me, indicate to me the answer to this question. Do we live in a wicked world? Well, how many righteous does it take to preserve the world? Answer this question. Are there more wicked or more righteous? How do we know when God's going to say, I've had it? I've had it. I've, I'm up. Um, <laughs> my dad, I've had it up to here. My dad used to say that all the time. Said it to my brothers, not to me. I've had it up to here. Abraham's exploring. God is saying to Abraham, I want you to establish a colony of heaven on earth. And in that colony of heaven on earth, uh, there will be righteous people. But it will quickly become apparent, as it has already in Scripture, in the first 17 chapters, that the righteous is but a remnant. They're in a minority. And Abraham wants to know what's going on. He wants to know, is, there, is it, is it going to be another flood? What's going to happen? God, explain this to me. What kind of God are you? Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if? What if? You guys see this in the context of a friendship? You should.
a conversation between friends. As one friend tries to understand the mind of another friend. And in fact, is kind of bold in his approach. But also, necessarily, humble. I am only dust and ashes, and I know who you are. I know that you're God. I know that you created me. I know that you created me out of dirt. I know that you breathed into my nostrils the breath of life. I know who you are, and I know who I am. And I also know you're the judge of all the earth. Will the judge of all the earth do justice? What kind of judge are you? Are you a corrupt judge? Can you be bought? Are you fair? What kind of judge are you? Romans says this. Hear this. Romans says this. He is just and the justifier of all who have faith in him. He is a judge. Beware of his judgment. He could rightfully condemn us all. Amen? But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? Amen. He's a merciful and compassionate judge. And he wants to share those things. Who he is. What he's about. With his friends. Heavenly Father, we certainly don't take this for granted. At least we shouldn't. These are the kinds of conversations you want to have with us. So help us as we walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.